power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter, the podcast Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. It is the best in the world here for another uh, Sovereign Tech Supplemental, as we've called them. And have we got a doozy for this one. You know, stepping back a second. I wish I could tell you how much flack I get uh, in my inbox. Which I'm not surprised where a lot of this communication comes from because there's a Telegram group, right? That everybody can can join. Um, link is in the show notes if you want to. There's a Telegram group, and I don't get a lot of my detractors never go in there. Partly because I mean, yeah, you can be pretty anonymous slash pseudonymous, whatever, whatever links you want to go to, uh, you know, with Telegram, and that's a good thing. I'm not complaining about that. I think that that's a great thing that you can do that. Um, but I. To my point, I'm always amazed, you know, at, at the, the, the pushback and sometimes, you know, pretty, pretty crass pushback that I get in my inbox, my email inbox. Now, to be fair, sometimes actually I will get messages, but they're always private. No one ever goes into the telegram group and like wants to take it on, you know, or wants, you know, take on what I say on the show. And, you know, it's there to do that and, and we can have the conversation, but for, and I will be civil. If you think I'm not civil on the show, I, I will be civil with you. Um, I don't know why it, it never comes there. I'd love to have the one-on-one or not the one-on-one, but the back and forth, I should say, because I get plenty of the one-on-one, but a lot of pushback that I get still, and it surprises me every time because I don't know how many more things have to happen from, you know, the Hawaii police activating, uh, 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 basically Robocops, you know, <laughs> they, they essentially have their ground own ground based, uh, drones or slash robotic security guards, which I'm sure are coming soon to New Zealand to protect all of the, uh, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, C-suite asshats, or it's, you know, varying communication platforms getting shut down, what, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm just like, I'm blown away that there are people who still give me crap and there's people who, you know, who in the past disagreed and now they agree, you know, and which I mean, <laughs> look, I don't want to be right, but they give me crap that I say we live in a technological dystopia. Blows my mind that, that I mean, it just like, you know, I, I, <sighs> This is one of those things I figured people would have eventually understood and accepted. Uh, just like it's very rare now. I used to get a lot of pushback anytime I'd rip on Google or if I ripped on Apple or pick your tech giant that I ripped on. There, there was always some fanboy 
who would call them also call themselves either a libertarian or an anarchist. And they'd come out and say, Oh no, 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 they're, they're, they're the good guys. They're not doing this. It's not as bad as you think, blah, blah, blah. I don't really get that pushback anymore. So maybe it's just, you know, it's the old Gandhi saying, right. First they laugh at you, whatever. And, and maybe down the line, people will get it and have an understanding of the nature of reality that we live in, that we are in a technological dystopia. And that maybe Orwell was just, I don't know, a couple decades off or so, you know, Maybe, maybe it wasn't 1984. Maybe, maybe it was, uh, it was meant to be 2020 or even a little earlier than that. But the proof keeps on coming. And, you know, the other thing that I, I, I get pushback on and this one, I understand a little bit better because I know I, I, I don't, I don't want to have this mindset either, but the inherent nature of living in a technological dystopia is that as far as what you can buy off the shelf, as it were, okay, in the marketplace, um, the tech war, as it were, you know, the, 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 the idea that, well, you know, the consumer is engaged in bending the technology that he buys to respect his individual, his, hers, Z's individuality away from the government and corporations. Okay. That tech war, right? The respect of the individual and the empowerment of the individual via technology. Okay. Against the, the powers that be they, them, those right now, when I say that we've lost, we, as in the consumer, the individual, not that individuals would do really well if they didn't think of them as themselves as consumers, but we'll go with the dictionary definition here. We'll move on. Um, but when I say that we, you know, the, 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 the late, well, I'm not even, you know, especially listeners of sovereign tech, a lot of us aren't lay people at all. You know, we're people that are knee deep in making sure the tech world goes round and round, but the war for the tech world has essentially been lost, uh, by the individual slash the consumer. And a big part of that comes down to that really a lot of our tech is very centralized, right? Um, te- again, this, and I'm talking about specifically when I say that we've lost, I'm talking about the stuff that is on the shelves or readily available at Walmart. Okay. I mean, like there's, you know, exciting projects happening around the world. Okay. But these are things that cannot scale to a uh, mass market, right? Like they can't like buying phones are always going to be a month to two months behind you getting your hands on them. Okay. Uh, what is it? Framework. Is that the, the name of that really customizable laptop? What people are calling the anti MacBook? Look, this thing's a fantastic idea. Wonderful idea. Okay. Or you think about like the privacy beast, right? Which are like older, you know, uh, X two twenties or, um, you know, X two hundreds or, or T four hundreds, you know, older Lenovo laptops that you can still, you know, put on, uh, you know, what, whatever kernel that you want, or, you know, really firmware, you know, for the BIOS to get rid of Intel's crap, you know, n- none of these things are ever going to be mass market. They can't be by their very nature. Okay. Because, and, and we're going to talk about this more when we get into this episode, uh, because you have to understand that for the technology that you hold to be affordable, requires subsidization and it's subsidization that in its very nature is anti-consumer, anti-individual. 
you know, or, or Libram, right? Like they, they can only keep a very limited stock. Okay. I mean, it's just, it, it's the numbers. So the things that you say, oh yeah, but stallion, this is out there. This is out there. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> this show reaches out to, uh, you know, five digits in the five digits, you know, a few thousand people. And like, I know, and I'm not insulting anyone by saying this. I'm just saying, I know not every one of you, you know, has a pine phone. Not every one of you has a Libram laptop or a privacy beast or whatever. I know that. Okay. And in fact, if you all did, you'd likely tank those companies <laughs> because they can't handle that load. And, and, and if you think, oh boy, if you think that a company, wait a minute, but that's a company being very profitable. It's getting tons of money from all. <laughs> no. Okay. Just because a company is what you could call wildly profitable in the short term, in the long term, uh, can kill it and does not mean that it can deliver on everything. Believe me, I know, I know multi-million dollar companies, okay, that are almost household names, if not at the point of being household names, where they get featured in everything you could imagine. And like for something as simple as you know, outdoor furniture, uh, you you could be looking at waiting months and months and months to get your hands on their product, but they could be seen as wildly profitable. But again, you know, if we're talking about, especially needing uh, technology, you know, devices that respect your privacy. Okay. Um, or empower you, you can't wait months, right? You need it now. So maybe you decide to go to the store you know, or you go through your telco or something like that. And you're like, yeah, all right, I'll get the new Samsung phone. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, Hey stallion, I don't know why you're complaining about Android. I can put uh, you know, I can put lineage OS on my phone and blah, blah. And yes, you can. And it's a fine and dandy thing to do. However, as we now know, if you do that with a newer Samsung phone, they're going to kill your camera because as soon as, you know, as soon as you uh, uh, unlock the bootloader on, on the device, they're going to start killing features on it. And this is a trend that's only going to grow. And th that's a fact. You go ahead, look it up. If I think of it, I'll link to it in the show notes and you can read all about it. Okay. So these companies that you can go and buy their shit off the shelf, they don't want you to do this. You know, we're not even talking about John Deere, you know, suing farmers for, you know, putting uh, uh, custom uh, <laughs> software and, uh, you know, in their tractors that they've already spent thousands upon thousands of dollars for, you know, to say nothing of what a smartphone costs. And sure, from time to time, a court may agree with like right to repair or whatever else, but the squeeze is just going to keep, I mean, okay, so Samsung loses today, the, the war goes on, right? They lose the battle, but the war goes on. And they'll just try it again in a couple of years, in a couple of years, and eventually they just wear people down. Now, there are, are plenty of other, you know, cases that we could bring up that I have brought up over the years on the show. But the bottom line being is that when it comes to consumer technology, Okay. The technology that you can readily buy either online or at some retailer or whatever, uh, you're fucked. You're screwed. Don't, don't begin to pretend that that technology is going to respect you. Okay. Uh, you can try to mitigate it by buying as dumb as possible. You know, having the device be as dumb as possible. That's about the best thing that you can do. And that's going to speak to a lot of what we're going to talk about here, but you're ultimately screwed. So when I say that the tech war is lost, there it is. Okay. As, as far as like what anybody in the you know world can, can really get their hands on. Now, 
if you want to talk about more specialty stuff, more boutique stuff, okay, there are some options, but then those options usually don't say when it comes to smartphones, they don't run Android. They don't run iOS. Um, you know, they run some form of Linux, which is great. But then also that means you may not be using uh, a lot of the popular, say, messaging apps out there, which is what everybody seems to think that privacy and security ultimately comes down to is, is the messaging app that I'm using, is it, is it solid? Is it going to protect what I am saying from, pri from, from prying eyes, whosoever those may be? And the ultimate answer to that is no, <laughs> like it's not just based on the device that you're using for one. Um, I mean, you might get away better with pine phone and you might be able to get away with, I don't know, you know, using, using uh, PGP, you know, encrypted email with a pine phone or something like that. And maybe that'd be approaching the levels that we're talking about, but you know, even that could get up to some debate and then, you know, those keyboard loggers, you know, and, just the, the, the errant camera and whatever else. So sure the not for the, for the very knowledgeable and the skilled, those options are available. I mean, look, even the pine phones in fucking beta. So is the phone from Librem. Um, you know, I mean, that's to say nothing else. You know, I mean, there's some other options out there, I suppose, but again, look, the tech war is lost. That's why we live in a technological dystopia. And what makes matters worse is that most people just don't seem to care. Maybe, hopefully, that as it comes, as more and more of the, the censorship that comes, that is you know part and parcel of a technological dystopia, as that continues to grow, maybe people will push back. But I don't know that, that, that that's necessarily going to happen because we've gotten to a stage where people do have this expectation of extreme convenience that they just don't seem willing to, 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 to part with. And it's a convenience that is, that is powered and enabled by putting a Wi-Fi or Bluetooth radio and a processor inside of every goddamn thing from your toaster to your toothbrush to of course, computer where it makes sense to have a processor, um, to, you know, take your pick of whatever the fuck it is. I think I even saw a chair now that that can be controlled by an app. What the hell? <laughs> All right. <laughs> whatever you want, Wally. And that's Wally with an E at the end of all ironies to have Disney warn us of that future, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I am here to talk about is that that is the cost. Now, what comes with having a internet connection and a processor in every fucking thing? What comes is a loss of control over your purchase. Now, I've been told by uh, uh, anarchists, you know, like especially more of the market bent, you know, like anarcho-capitalists and, and, and some other, and, you know, whoever, maybe even mutualists and some others, um, no disrespect to them, you know, I, and libertarians too. Uh, I've been told that you can, you can vote with your dollar, right? Like that, that you got to let the market speak, you know, and, 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 and that's, that, that's how, that's, 
one of the ways you can rein in and take control of the invisible hand of not of the market, but of, of, of destiny of the way things are going forward. One of the ways that you can do that is to vote with your dollar or perhaps to be a, a conscious consumer, right? Where you're, you're really, you know, going in there with a lot of knowledge and education around what you are buying and what went into that and what that thing is capable of. So my question then, so I've been told this. And so my question is to you, have you lit your Samsung TV on fire yet? Have you taken it outside and, and I don't know, grabbed the nearest katana sword and hopefully it's full tang and just cut that thing to pieces. Because in my opinion, if you've done anything less, don't tell me you give a shit about human freedoms. Because my understanding is, is the market is this great and wonderful goddamn thing. And that when I buy something from this, this market produces things that makes my life luxurious and wonderful and amazing. Oh, oh yes. Oh, what a wonderful life. Blah, blah, blah. And that I have ultimate, when I buy something, it's mine and I can do what I want with it. Unless I buy a television from Samsung. In which case, Samsung can at their leisure make my TV, you know, basically destroy it. Like, I mean, just, or make it incapable, turn it off. They, they completely disable my television. So what's going on here? What's happening is it has been discovered, particularly out of uh, 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 TVs, I believe that were uh, being sold, but ended up being stolen out of South Africa were remotely deactivated by Samsung um, once, you know, the, the, the nature of how these TVs <laughs> went into the world, <laughs> okay? Uh, you know, once that was discovered, they started deactivating these TVs. And I think, now I'm going to, we're going to read about this. We're going to break this down. We're going to see how does Samsung feel about it. We're going to see how do how does the everyday person feel about it? We're going to see, perhaps, is anybody defending Samsung's ability to completely brick your smart TV? And before anybody says, well, that I just won't buy a smart TV. We'll talk about that. We're going to get into solutions. We always talk about solutions, right? That's the old thing. It's like, don't just complain, bring solutions. I bring solutions every single time. Unlike almost any other podcast, I don't just complain and moan. It's just that if my email inbox is any indication, people don't like what has to be done. Because for fuck's sake, they got to watch Hulu. I don't imagine what for. So let's read about what's going on. I'm going to go to, of all places, Mashable. You know, <laughs> a news outlet. Uh, uh, I don't know if we can even call it news. Uh, a media outlet that generally is on the take, but amazingly did some fair coverage on this matter. Uh, let, let's talk about it here. So this is the story from August 25th, 2021. Incredibly fresh here. Samsung brags about remotely disabling looted, quote unquote, looted smart TVs. Uh, Samsung says it can remotely disable any of its internet connected TVs. Let's do it. When it comes to so-called smart gadgets, owning just isn't what it used to be. Samsung made that clear earlier this month when it told customers that it can at any time remotely disable any and every Samsung TV connected to the internet. 
The August 6th announcement came in response to the theft of an unspecified number of TVs in South Africa in July, and was likely the first time many customers had ever heard of Samsung's TV block function. The feature allows Samsung to remotely check if, quote, TV units have been unduly activated, end quote, and, quote, is already preloaded on all Samsung TV products, end quote. Apparently, quote-unquote, looted TVs fall into the category of undue activation. If TV block gets hit, uh, or gets a hit on an internet-connected Samsung TV's serial number that it decides shouldn't be up and running, then Samsung can remotely disable that television. Notably, an internet connection, and the customer surveillance that entails, is a core part of modern smart TVs. Just a small amount of kudos for Mashable admitting to that. Uh, you know, about the, the customer surveillance going on with your fucking television. Talk about 1984. That's exactly what, what TVs were all about in 1984. They're more about watching you than you watching it. We'll talk about that more a little later. We reached out, reading out the story, we reached out to Samsung to determine how many TVs it has remotely disabled with TV Block, but received no immediate response. The company seems proud of itself, however, and made an effort to share its previously little-known ability on Twitter. The responses were less than enthusiastic. So here, here's the tweet from Samsung, okay? Uh, this is from August 6, 2021. Did you know every hashtag Samsung TV is built with a safeguard against theft? Recent events and the sale of illegal goods have prompted the activation of hashtag TV block, a remote solution uh, to ensure Samsung's TVs are used by its rightful owner. And I love it. The symbol they use is like this lock shield in like a one eye. It's kind of perfect, really. Um, moving along, quote, you can remotely. So so here are some of the response tweets to that tweet. Uh, so here we're getting some idea of you know what people think. Now, to be fair. These are kind of funny. Okay. And they're negative. And of course they are, because that's all Twitter is, you know, I don't have, I don't want to, I don't need to turn this into a diatribe against Twitter. Um, I got banned from Twitter. Okay. This year. And I mean, it's a wonderful thing because Twitter literally only breeds, um, just, just vitriol like that. That's all that, that, that comes out on that. I could get into a whole thing about, well, anyway, we don't need to go there. Let, let's, let's just read what people said just for people to be sarcastic and negative on this. Like I'm glad and in one sense, cause it's entertaining on the other sense it's Twitter. So I don't expect anything less, but then also because it's Twitter, I expect it to in no way reflect reality in how the everyday person thinks. So let's read it here. Quote, you can remotely brick my TV. We'll definitely not buy Samsung again. And we'll keep my current TV offline too. End quote was one such reply right on. Quote, not buying a Samsung TV, thanks for the heads, or, or yeah, quote, not buying a Samsung TV, thanks for the heads up, end quote. Uh, according to the August, so there's a, you know, a couple, I mean, and there's a bunch of others in, in that thread that are just hilarious. According to the August 6th statement uh, from Samsung, quote, the aim of the technology is to mitigate against the creation of secondary markets linked to the sale of illegal goods, both in South Africa and beyond its borders, end quote. Yeah, I got to stop right there. I love that they use the term secondary markets because for me, you know, I grew up in Queens. I grew up in New York and, you know, I'd just be a little kid, even, you know, just walking down the street, whatever. And there was always some, you know, like nice moving van that had a pretty good setup on the inside or whatever. And man, you could buy things for a steal. No, oh, oh, I mean, I don't know where this stuff came from, but you could buy for, you know, prices that, uh, that, that seemed a little more, a little bit more manageable 
for the everyday person in New York City. And, you know, I, that's exactly what I always thought it was. Like, yeah, this is just, this is a market function. This is market action. There's people who want this at this price. And so the market provided, right? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The market can't allow for, no, 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 no. We can't have secondary markets. Now, I mean, to be clear, I'm not arguing for theft. It's not like Samsung in any way initially stole from me. You know, it's not like they get taxed out. Oh. Hmm. Well, the less said about that, the better, probably. So moving right along, what I am saying is that sometimes also, you know, like I would buy uh, back in the day, I would buy something, say, from a family member where, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, Sure, I, I'll buy your TV off of you because you're moving or because you're hard up or something like that, whether I needed the damn thing or not. I was just being a neighborly person. And the person who, you know, say the family member or the friend or whatever, got to feel like he was providing some kind of value to me, right? I mean, eBay's built on this sort of thing, <laughs> you know, but, but I mean, even just in, in interpersonal relationships, that way they didn't feel so bad, like somehow they were just begging for money. You know, and, and, and there was, and whatever, I mean, and sometimes look, sometimes people need money. That's okay. That, that shouldn't have so much negative connotation around it either. But today, you know, and, and this, the Mashable story goes on, you know, what would happen today if I bought a Samsung smart TV off of somebody, you know, because they were looking for some, you know, some kind of fast cash or something like that. Um, and then I, I get it to my home and I connect it. What happens when, Hey, wait, Samsung says, wait, that TV was at XYZ IP address for so long. Um, what's it doing at a new IP address? Turn that thing off. Well, let's find out because Mashable continues. We asked Samsung about concerns from paying customers on social media regarding TV block, uh, specifically the possibility that the company might remotely disable a customer's television by mistake. Again, we received no immediate response. Samsung does, however, partially address this scenario in a statement, but its solution sounds like quite the quite the pain. Quote, should a customer's TV be incorrectly blocked, the, the functionality can be reinstated once proof of purchase and a valid TV license is shared with a legitimate retailer, end quote. Like, so what? I got to know where my uncle bought his TV from and I need his receipt? What if Sears, what if he got it at Sears, but Sears is closed down now? What, what do I do then? Reading on? Hmm. <laughs> I don't expect it, you know, I mean, of course, podcasting is one way, so I can't get an answer from you or anyone for that matter. I don't, but I wouldn't expect an answer even if this was two-way. Sounds like a pain in the ass to me. The statement makes no mention of any sort of compensation for customers who have to go through this ordeal. Samsung's boast that it can reach into its customer's home and should it so choose claw back what they've purchased. Again, they're, they're breaking it. it. It's it's pointless, right? Will sound familiar to anyone following trends in the world of smart gadgets. Samsung's ability to remotely disable all of its customers' TVs is only one facet of the ongoing debate around company control over Internet of Things gadgets. Another, and uh, and it's one that Sonos customers will likely recognize, is that company after company has made the decision to end support for old smart gadgets that are no longer profitable, rendering legitimately purchased and functioning items unusable. Because these days, buying an Internet-connected smart appliance doesn't make it yours. It just means you have until the manufacturer 
changes its mind. And there, there it is, the loss of control. On Sovereign Tech, up until, I don't know, maybe two, three years ago, uh, I had an entire segment that was based around Internet of Things stories. And I did that because, and I, and I did that segment for years, I did that because I was fucking trying to warn people that this future was on its way, was coming to your home where you ultimately don't have control of what you purchase because it has internet connectivity and a processor in it. And I don't know, did anybody, I, I hope, I, I'm sure, I know some people at least uh, did listen to that. Now, to be clear, Samsung's not the only one that does this sort of thing. Um, I mean, and, and it goes far beyond TVs. It comes down to basically like every, every gadget device that you can imagine. Um, you know, I mean, can, can Google or Apple remotely, uh, disable or brick smartphones? Absolutely. They can, can they, or do they allow for software and technology that makes your device, certain aspects of your device unusable because you're seeing a trailer at Comic-Con that no one's supposed to see online. Yes, but everybody's okay with it and, you know, counts on their smartphone to film the police, which blows my mind, especially when we know Apple has given uh, law enforcement the ability to uh, deactivate or brick or in any way or make features useless uh, on smartphones as needed. And that was done, fuck, six years ago, seven years ago that was developed. But, you know, the initial implementation of, of a lot of this remote cutoff stuff was all of, was always given, you know, some kind of like legitimate reason or quote unquote legitimate, right? Like it is, okay, so you can't see a trailer at Comic-Con um, or it is so that way when, you know, you're traveling to France and someone swipes your iPhone, uh, you know, to, and like steals your iPhone, it can be remotely bricked as needed or something like that. Like it's always given that kind of reasoning. But. As you know, we continue from 2020 onward and we live in a really a climate of ever growing censorship that shows no sign of stopping, uh, quite, quite the opposite. In fact, then it's, you know, it's not hard to imagine, dare I say it's irresponsible to not imagine that these remote cutoff abilities ultimately come down to, you know, some form of censorship at some point. And that's ultimately my, you know, my concern. And I mean, am I concerned about it? Not exactly because I'm aware of the trap and so I can avoid it. But the everyday person who again, just needs their fucking Netflix or their Hulu or whatever they're going to run into, you know, say at some point, whatever they want to stand up uh, against the, I don't know, the, the censorship, the whatever brand of tyranny that happens to be around, whatever. Um, they're just going to get all their shit turned off on them. And again, people are so reliant upon these conveniences. What the fuck are they going to do? I mean, how many people even like really know how to get around their town? without their smartphones, you know, GPS capabilities anymore. 
every time you're handing over, you know, like mental bandwidth to these devices that you ultimately don't have control over. You're really handing over, you know, like autonomy, your own autonomy. It's like, oh, Stanley, we're just talking about TVs here. Well, you know, okay. But let's talk about, before before I keep going down that road, let's get into a defense of this, of, of the fact that, no, it's a good thing that Samsung can deactivate its TVs. Let's hear a defense from other journalists in, you know, the tech world, as it were, like myself. Um, and, you know, but I'm going to take a break. We'll come right back and we're going to see what they say. How do they defend Samsung's, I'm sorry, Samsung's actions? We'll be right back with more Sovereign Tech. Hey, is Sovereign Tech not enough for you? Well, let me tell you about something you'll never get enough of. No, no, I mean it. We're talking about a radio show and podcast that goes all night long, seven nights a week, three hours a night, 365 days a year, and has been going since the early aughts, baby. I am talking about none other than Free Talk Live. It's the show you control. That's right. It's an open phones call-in show that is ready for you. And if you're worried that your voice isn't going to get heard, don't be. We are talking about the only libertarian radio show stateside. And not only that, it's also the number 26 talk show in the United States. Start listening now and go ahead and hit that massive back catalog at freetalklive.com. The Golden Stallion guarantees a good time. And you might even find some episodes with me on them when you do. That's freetalklive.com. And we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. Let's get back to the show. All right, let's get to it. So here it is from digital digitaltrends.com. Uh, definitely one of the more popular uh, consumer tech sites. Uh, I mean, and sometimes they go out of consumer tech, but largely consumer tech sites uh, on the internet. So here it is uh, by Phil uh, Nickinson in defense of the Samsung TV kill switch. That is the title of his fucking story. Let's do it. Increasingly, and across pretty much every segment of consumer product, what we use day-to-day is becoming less of a mere device and more of a computer with a thing attached. Cars are the obvious example. (laughs) Can cars get remotely turned off? Yeah, (laughs) that's been possible for a long time. Uh, Anyway, moving on. New ones essentially are computers on wheels, as I've said over the years. Uh, But the same goes for any number of other categories, speakers, microwaves, and of course, televisions. That brings us to the recent revelation that Samsung apparently can, it's not apparent, can remote, uh, can remotely disable televisions with something it calls the television block function. In an August 6th press release from its South Africa newsroom, Samsung said that, quote, the blocking system is intended to be implemented in respect of televisions that have been obtained by users through unlawful means and in some cases stolen from the Samsung warehouses, end quote. Samsung goes, I mean, so in their press release, they're saying it's from unlawful means, but then, you know, who gets to define what's lawful and unlawful? Not you or I. Uh, Moving on. 
Samsung goes on to say that this technology is already preloaded on all Samsung TV products. So Samsung built a uh, kill switch into its TVs and apparently didn't tell anyone, or if it did, it wasn't entirely conspicuous about it. That understandably has raised a few eyebrows. Me, I'm here to say it's okay to embrace the kill switch. Oh boy. Uh, the idea of your television or any other device for that matter, becoming a brick after you've legitimately purchased it is a scary proposition. The last thing you'd ever want to happen is to sit down to watch your favorite show or sporting event only to find that the massive black triangle in your living room will remain that a massive black triangle or worse. Your TV could fire up and say something like quote, this TV has been disabled due to suspected theft. Have a nice day. End quote. That's a pretty unlikely scenario. I disagree that that's an unlikely scenario. I think that's a completely likely scenario and it's merely a matter of time. All it takes is a couple of stories and really it kind of sounds like Samsung is prepping for this. And I would not be surprised. I mean, it's amazing that this is happening now when you have levels of civil unrest in every country on the planet, it seems, uh, that I don't think the world has seen in a hundred years. Maybe, maybe a little less than a hundred, but at least a hundred years. Not uninteresting. Moving on. Um, let's see. Also limiting the potential misuse of TV block is the way Samsung defines the security. Or, yeah. Okay. Right. Let me go back for one thing. It appears as though the television block function has been pretty narrowly utilized in this case with Samsung saying that it, it quote has activated TV block on all Samsung television sets looted from our Cato Ridge distribution center in the uh, KwaZulu Natal province of South Africa since the 11th of July, 2021. So, you know, like they can pinpoint, and obviously this is just by serial number that they're able to know that, but that serial number gets reported as soon as they connect to the internet. Um, and to be clear, there are many TVs, smart TVs anyway, that will not like let you go further in the setup of the television without connecting it first to the internet. Okay. So before you think that, well, I'll just disable the internet before, you know, I, I turn this TV on. No, 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 no. You can't do that. You know, maybe with some brands it's possible, but for many brands, not so, um, moving on. Also, uh, limiting the potential misuse of TV block is the way Samsung defines the security feature in the first place. It's a quote solution that detects if Samsung TV units have been unduly activated. Like we read earlier. Anyway, uh, the next sentence makes it even more clear. The aim of the technology is to mitigate against the creation of secondary markets. We talked about that earlier as well. In other words, if you've legitimately purchased the TV from a store and it's been activated, you should be good to go. If it's been stolen before it was sold, there's a decent chance Samsung's going to flip the kill switch that won't completely stop the black market sales. Of course, uh, again, here, here's the accusation that somehow black markets are, you know, inherently bad. I would argue that's not the case, but we'll keep going. That's a cat and mouse game. That's never, ever going to end. Uh, Samsung knows that and thieves know that, but it'll slow them down and allow Samsung to write off thefts such as this, that much more, uh, that much more easily. It's really not meant as a means to brick your TV. Uh, should someone come into your house and rip it off of your wall? Um, there's also an argument to be made that kill switches aren't just a good thing to have. They're a responsible feature and something that we should actually welcome as more and more devices become that much more connected and dependent on the internet. There are exponentially more avenues for misuse. The scale of the internet of things already is pretty unfathomable and that growth isn't going to slow anytime soon. We've become accustomed to app stores being able to remotely disable or uninstall individual applications. Should they prove to be harmful? Service providers like Google and Apple and others can disable your account if need be. 
stallion breaking in. I mean, like <laughs> the guy's killing his own case here because you know, the, the, the ability for Google or Apple to uninstall apps without your permission is not a good thing. I get the argument of why that they would, why they want to do that and why they claim that they want to do that. But ultimately it's not a good thing. I mean, what, what happens if I, well, actually, you know, this did happen where, um, this was years ago. Just, just remembered this years ago with, uh, it was a crypto kit, a, uh, you know, a popular at the time, very early, uh, browser based. And it was, it was a browser add on for Chrome. Um, where like a, a new Chrome feature, you know, it, it wanted all of the add-ons, you know, the extensions add-ons or apps, even because Chrome used to have apps on other platforms besides Chrome OS, um, where it, you know, this was, oh man, I think this was like 2014, 2015, something like that, where it wanted them all like signed, registered with Chrome for you to be able to access them. Now people were using uh, CryptoKit as, and it was a really cool add-on. Um, I was very supportive of it, but they were using it. A lot of people were using it as like kind of their main Bitcoin wallet, right? Cause it was early days, uh, for Bitcoin. Hell, this might've even been 20, 2012, 2013 it was early days. And when Chrome flipped this, holy fuck, you know, there goes crypto kit and there goes your cryptocurrency as well as, I mean, that was also like, I think you could do messaging with that. Um, really impressive stuff, but just because one day Google said, well, it's got to meet with this you know, whatever their approval metric was, you know, if, or if it doesn't, we get rid of it. Now there was a way to bring it back going into developer mode and all this other crap, but no, you don't want Google to have that ability. <laughs> okay. Is, is ultimately my point here. And the crypto kit case from years ago, just to prove that this isn't new. Um, I, I think is, is a very clear cut case of why you wouldn't want it to, because I mean, you could lose, especially if you had a lot back then, today's prices, you could have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars all because Google wanted to flip a switch on anybody that they didn't approve of. And it's not like crypto kit was in any way malicious. So reading on here. Um, yeah. So, all right. Uh, the idea of remotely bricking your phone or, or your TV or your fridge or even your car, should they be used for ill? Isn't that far fetched? It'd be an extreme measure for sure. And not something anyone should take lightly from the manufacturers to the consumers and especially regulators. There are real time privacy concerns and real time accountability issues. And this is something that deserves to be uh, more than a clause buried deep within the terms of service. Yeah. It should fucking come up right away and say, Hey, we can remotely brick your TV. We want you to be aware of that before you buy it. The problem is I, you know, maybe just maybe hope beyond hopes that if, if Samsung did admit that nobody would buy their TVs. And of course, some reaction to it is that, yeah, they're not buying Samsung TVs. Um, so that that's, but that's the argument. Okay. Is that no, no, this is something that you want because the argument is it's actually giving you control or the argument could be that, you know, your TV could become part of a botnet, right. And be by some people's definition doing malicious shit. And so, you know, it would behoove Samsung to have the ability to deactivate your TV if it does become part of a botnet. But then, you know, even Phil Nickinson here is admitting this is not going to stop the quote unquote, the evil black market. Okay. And I put that in quotes. So it's not really solving that. And then you could say, well, this, 
you know, can help with security. If somehow my TV becomes a, uh, a security risk, you know, <laughs> becomes like I said, part of a botnet or something along those lines. But then what's the real answer there? D- don't connect your TV to, to the fucking internet, right? Like just don't, don't, don't put internet connectivity in a processor in your television. Obviously, then it can't be a part of that, you know, uh, problem, potential problem. And of course, Samsung knows this. So why is Samsung ultimately, because if they know they're not going to stop the black market or secondary markets, as I think they should be properly called, (laughs) um, if they know they're not going to stop that and they know that this creates a security problem having internet connected, you know, uh, TVs with processors in them. Why are they making them in the first place? Aha. So it's important to, you know, we got to do a little history here and it's history that I've covered on the show on sovereign tech over the years. Samsung, you know, before IOT was really a thing, Samsung was implementing, you know, smart technologies into quote unquote smart, you know, IOT style stuff into televisions long before there was like a, really a valid use case. They did this through, they actually acquired a company called smart things and they ended up putting these smart things hubs into televisions. Now, if you're coming out with some new like a uh, uh, category or you, you have some new, like uh, some new series, right. Of, of devices. Okay. Or of appliances or whatever. If you have that and you know, it's coming and you want to just like prep everything ahead of time. Now there's an argument to be made for that. Sure. And to put the hub of all things smart in your television or in a television could even make some logical sense because for many, you know, families, the TV is the center of the home. Not really anymore, but a few years ago that might've still been true. But now I think the center of everybody's life is, you know, that the infinity box in their pocket, uh, you know, the, the little black screen or what they call smartphones. Now there's never just one reason for anything. Okay. But yes, part of the reason that tech companies in general jumped onto IOT is because it gave an excuse for people to buy new devices of whatever stripe that happens to be. Okay or for tech companies to get into markets that they were, you know, in, in market categories that they were never into before companies that were never into making toothbrushes suddenly started making toothbrushes because they put a Bluetooth uh, chip in them. And, you know, who knows whatever happens when really they should just be concerned about clean teeth, not Bluetooth, but I digress. I think, and you know, someone, I know, I know, oh, I know the reactions that are going to come because I've, I've been at the libertarian conferences and gatherings where, boy, you say these two words and you will get a shitstorm heaped upon you, especially by people who are like well-published authors, say, in the space. I think this all, ha- all right, there, there's a surveillance aspect of this. and We're going to talk about that. But the other part, one part I want to get into is planned obsolescence. See, you say that people flip, oh, no, companies don't do play. Oh, no, no, the market doesn't do planned obsolescence. Oh, no, no. Fuck you. Yes, they do. Okay. (laughs) Yes, they do. And the beauty of it, you know, because before IoT devices became a thing. and, And I think, you know, planned obsolescence is one of the features 
that Samsung is going to appreciate and enjoy by having this uh, uh, TV block functionality or having the ability to connect to a television. Oh, this TV, he's been using this TV for six years. He needs to buy a new TV off or whatever the fuck they do to it. Because <laughs> it's all programmable, right? It has a processor and an internet connection. So it can be done remotely. Now, before IoT, and, and, and <laughs> yeah, before IoT, there, there were people who would make the argument that, oh, you, you know, that's speculation that there's planned obsolescence, blah, 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 right? I remember even when the scandal happened with iPhone batteries, where we found out that Apple was, like, remotely killing iPhone batteries, uh, effectively, uh, or, or at least altering their function. Um, you know, that a lot of people, you know, cried out and said, Hey, this is planned obsolescence. And I heard from libertarians and ANCAPs, no, 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 Apple's not, no, it's not. There's a reason they're doing this to get better, you know, the, the longest life out of your device, even if your battery doesn't have the longest life anymore. That's what it's about. Okay. Anyway, the fortunate thing is that because everything has a processor in it now, because everything has code in it now, now code monkeys can get in on some of these devices and take a peek and we can actually find the planned obsolescence. We can find things like what, what they call time bombs. Time bombs are code that operate on a date. And when a certain date is reached, it, and this is actually very popular with like uh, uh, some devices that use flash memory, which what doesn't now, um, but that flash memory will, you know, you'll get to that date and then the code will say brick done, make the, have it say that the flash memory is bad. And this is, you know, there's high end places where, where this, where time bombs exist. And then there's even in lower end cases, for example, um, you know, people know I'm really into retro gaming. So you can buy, uh, like these, these flash carts. Okay. That will allow you to, and I'm not saying any, like, the ones I like to use are from Cricks, right? Uh, like the EverDrive 64 that you can put this cartridge into the N64. Um, and, you know, you pop all the ROMs onto a micro SD card and, you know, you, you put that in and you can, on, on an original N64, you can play every fucking game ever made, you know, as long as it can fit on that micro SD card and it goes through that cartridge. Great things, wonderful things, beautiful market. One of the most exciting things to happen to preserve art in hundreds of years. However, there are less reputable companies who will come out with these. Uh, like I can think of ones that exist for the, the, the Nintendo DS, like say, uh, what is it? The R4 gold or whatever, where you have to format, um, you know, you have to like format these devices. Okay. Because they'll come with, maybe they'll come with the SD card or they'll have the flash memory built into them. However it works. You have to format them first then hopefully reinstall the software and hopefully you got rid of the time bomb. And it's, it's just, it's known. Like you can see the code. This isn't up to debate. This isn't questionable. This isn't supposition. This is a fact that planned obsolescence exists in many devices. You can see the fucking code. So shut up about saying that. It, oh, that doesn't happen. Yes, it does. You know, it's like, it's like, I feel like this is my, almost my, 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 my reason for existence. It's not, but I almost feel like it. I'm, I'm the corporate atheist, <laughs> right? 
You know, and the atheist is like trying to just deconstruct your belief, your faith in God. I am here to deconstruct your faith in businesses, in these tech companies, at least. Call me the tech atheist, maybe. Because it's got to go. These people are here to fuck you, not in the feel-good way. There is no good reason that a TV shouldn't last you for decades. Samsung's bottom line on their spreadsheets cannot allow for that. And they will do whatever it takes to keep those spreadsheets looking good, including if that means bricking your television. Now, the other part of this, is this about censorship? Yeah, it's that too. Okay. Like I really, it's that too. Um, this is about having control over, I mean, say in the future, who knows what they're going to introduce with TVs. Again, these companies are thinking ahead before they even had IOT devices on the market. They were putting IOT hubs and TVs. Why? Because they knew it was coming. So things are coming. Say you want to kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier with like scams. I'm sorry, Samsung phones. How, if you unlock the bootloader that the camera doesn't work anymore. Okay. We're going to get to a time where who knows what horrendous shit is going to end up getting put on, you know, these smart TVs and people are going to get into the game of put, wanting to put on, you know, custom software or, you know, custom firmware or whatever. Okay. Just like also what has happened with John Deere tractors. However, if they have this ability, they're going to know the instant that you've put that firmware on and your TV is effectively going to be bricked. They're not going to lose control of what they need. And that gets to the other part. I mean, and you know, is it censorship of like, I was kind of talking about before the break that, Oh, if, if, you know, somebody becomes an activist and suddenly, you know, they say the wrong things that they're just going to shut down your entire fucking house because everything's internet connected and good luck doing anything way to become an outcast instantaneously. Yeah. I mean that that's, that's in the further nightmare scenario, but we don't have to even go that far. Okay. Because the other part of this is that like a television should last you for decades. Okay. Um, an LED LCD or OLED television should not cost. And I don't care if it's 720p to 4k, it, it doesn't matter. You know, the resolution should not cost under $2,000. What can you get these TVs for? What? 200? Under 200, 150, get a nice TCL with a Roku built in. 1080p, high def stereo speakers, practically taste the brain matter. Now, how is this possible? Like, there's not a big enough market to be buying that many TVs that could be sold at this price to where you could justify the mass, you know, kind of kind of like the, the, the mass market or the, the inexpensiveness of, of a of mass production, right? There's just not, there's not enough people to buy those televisions that, that, that can't be okay. Even if you have market in China, you, you, like there's just not enough people. 7 billion people aren't buying TVs every day, right? At the same time. So you can't justify this inexpensiveness. How, how are these TVs only costing $150 to, I don't know, 600, 700 when they should easily be costing what plasma TVs used to cost, you know, in the 2000 to $10,000 range, depending upon the size of the screen, it comes down to subsidies. What are these subsidies? 
Well, there's the ones we can know, and then there's the ones that we don't know. The ones that are, you know, ones that we can kind of guess. The ones that we know are the ones that, as you can see, particularly on Samsung televisions, where when you change the volume on them, ads pop up. That's blatant, right? So part of what allows Samsung to sell this TV to you at a price that maybe you feel like you don't need the black market for, <laughs> you know, because now you can get it at a price that meets your uh, paycheck to paycheck life. But they can do that because they're getting money from ad revenue. Okay. Or, you know, from, from advertisers buying whatever plans to appear above the volume bar uh, on, on a television, which that, I mean, you know, ads on TV are, are, kind of mind blowing as it is uh, considering that most people watch via cable and really ads were only supposed to fund free television, but television you paid for wasn't supposed to have ads, but well, anyway, that that's a whole other history. Kind of ridiculous that your TV is serving you ads, not, not, the, not the station you're watching the fucking television is. Okay. So there's those subsidies. There is the data collection that gets done on you. What data collection you ask? Maybe you should look into the terms of service. Um, because there's what's called ACR, particularly on Samsung TVs. It gets called other things on companies like Vizio and, and others, but ACR is automatic content recognition. Now what ACR is here, I'll read right from the fucking manual quote, in order to provide you with customized smart TV experiences, some of our feature and services will rely on your TV viewing history and smart TV usage information. Your TV viewing history includes information about the networks, channels, websites visited, and programs viewed on your smart TV and the amount of time spent viewing them. We may use automatic content recognition, ACR, and other technologies to capture this information. I don't know what the fuck those other technologies are, but they should bother you. Especially because you don't know what they are. But what this means is, you know, these companies, Samsung, whoever, you know, the TV manufacturers, and then who do the TV manufacturers auto, you know, automatically answer to, of course, that's governments are collecting all of this data about you. Now on some TVs, you can turn this off. Okay. It's a pain in the ass to turn it off. They bury it. You know, like they know what they're doing. They don't want you to turn this off. They bury it. If you turn this off, you become kind of a bit of a, you know, you're a, a, what they call a deadbeat, right? You're, they're not making money off of you anymore. They can sell you my point in sharing all of this with you. We'll talk more about ACR in a little bit. My point in sharing all of this with you is that this data collection and data feeding to you, particularly advertising feeding to you, um, is what subsidizes the price of the television for, you know, so that way you can buy it for 200 now, pushing the ads to you, you might not think that's so egregious, but all of that data collection, looking at everything that you're watching, websites that you go to, everything that you do on that TV, they're seeing, that doesn't bother you? You agreed to that? I mean, frankly, I feel like I got ripped off by Nielsen for years, for decades, because they'd only give me like six bucks to tell them everything I was watching. You know, I should have been getting hundreds of dollars. Because that's essentially what's happening here is that Samsung is saying, okay, we'll knock off $1,200 off the price of this thing. If you let us spy on you, I wish you would get put in those terms on the box. I wonder how many people would buy it then. In many ways, that's far more concerning 
for, you know, then, then, then the, the TV block function, right? Cause you could, I mean, cause people can try and defend the TV block function. How the fuck do you defend that rampant spying on you? I mean, to the point that, you know, over the years we've had the stories where like in the manuals for these TVs, they've said, you may want to be careful what you say in front of this TV. Why? Because the TV is listening. It's a true story. And who's listening to that? No, 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 no. It's not automated. You know, it's not some kind of AI somewhere. It's people that are listening to that. You want people listening to the conversations you have in front of that television? What are you watching? How about this for a little more on ACR quote, when ACR collection is turned on, we may share viewing data with authorized data partners, including analytics companies, media companies, and advertisers, analytics companies, government think tanks, read a little more here. Um, viewing data is sometimes enhanced with household demographic, demographic data and data about digital actions, digital purchases, and other consumer behavior taken by devices associated with the IP address we collect. Can you tell me a $200 TV is worth all that? A smart TV, the ability to watch Netflix is worth all that. I mean, I just want you to imagine that there's some creepy ass guy in a suit sitting in the room next to you. Now, I mean, if you're into, you know, if you're an exhibitionist, you're into whatever, I don't know, being watched, then maybe you wouldn't mind this, but there's a guy, you know, in a suit, uh, just next to you in the room, watching you and listening to everything you say while you're enjoying a movie or hopefully enjoying the movie. Hopefully it doesn't suck. You tell me you're okay with that because that's ultimately what it is. Now, in thinking about ACR, let's do a little thought experiment. What are the chances that if they have the ability to deactivate your TV, that they have the ability to, you know, remotely do so, that they have the ability to remotely turn it on or remotely spy on you as needed by whatever alphabet soup organization or the company's own perverts? Far-fetched? One implies the other folks. This is literally 1984. Like this is almost exactly. And I, I mean, and as far as like censorship goes, it's not even censorship as far like <laughs> you don't even get to get, get to control like what information gets fed to you often, you know, through the television. Right. So, you know, you're getting propaganda right and left on there. And, you know, propaganda can be as much as, what's on the TV and also what's not allowed. Right. And I've brought this up many times. Part of the reason I have a, you know, collection, a disc collection, you know, Blu-rays, DVDs comes from that. A lot of these services and networks, like what is it? Comedy central won't play certain episodes of the office. Now you could say, well, they were disrespectful. We don't want to see them, but at the same time, like propaganda, this is what I guess maybe I spent a little too, too much time in psychological operations in the military. This is what people don't understand. Propaganda is as much about what you're allowed to see as what you're not allowed to see. Okay. Like what can propaganda is what's being shown to you. And it's also about what can't be shown or isn't allowed to be shown. And that's what this level of control over these televisions can really come down to. So technological dystopia folks. Now 
how do you best this? How do you, you know, how do you deal with this? How, what's the, what's the solution here? Well, um, for my birthday this year, uh, the <laughs> goddess of love and logic, uh, Mrs. Sovereign, Mrs. Ellen Sovereign, she, uh, for my birthday, she bought me a television, you know, but she knew the deal. She's like, Brian, you need to pick out your television. Cause she knows she, she listens to the show. She listens to me all day long, you know, and, and, and what I'm talking about and what I'm learning every day. And so she knew like, okay, you're, we're not just going to surprise Brian with some Samsung TV. He's going to pick out, he knows what he needs. And, and, you know, he's the most informed consumer on the fucking planet. And <laughs> to some degree, I think I am, but anyway, uh, so we went to Best Buy, you know, what are we going to get off the shelf? Right. Like I said, the challenge is what, what to get off of the shelf. And, and let me tell you how this situation went because it speaks to the other, to another problem real quick as we are discussing solutions. So I went in and I went to the, you know, one of the, one of the workers there at Best Buy. And I said, Hey, I want a TV that, you know, I want it dumb as a box of rocks. I don't want it to be 4k. You know, I don't want Roku or fire stick built in or anything like that or fire TV built in. Like I just want it to turn on and there's, there's essentially a black screen unless I have something inputted. Okay. And you know, we went around and lo and behold, there was a little Vizio TV. It's like a 40 inch. Okay. That was open box, right? Because it was like a two year old model. It was open box. They didn't even have any of that model that were still in a box. It was open box, met everything I wanted. It was 1080p only didn't do 4k cause fuck 4k. Um, it didn't have a fire TV in it, which most Vizios do. Uh, it didn't have, you know, no rope, no smart features whatsoever. Can't, it cannot, cannot connect to the internet. Not possible. Okay. This TV will not be part of any botnets, but understand like the only reason at Best Buy I was able to get a TV of some size, you know, sometimes you can find 19 inch TVs that meet that, that criteria, but of some size, like 40 inch. Okay. Um, I, I had to buy one that was like two years old and they didn't even have it like technically in stock. It was just one that they had on the showroom floor to like take up a shelf. That's how hard it is to find dumb TVs. You're lucky if you can get them off of the shelf. And that's kind of speaks to another problem, which is, well, you know, yeah, just buy a dumb TV. And yes, that's what I'm recommending to you. But I will empathize that that's a challenge. You know, and maybe you want to be a conscious consumer, conscientious or whatever, a conscious consumer in that, you know, you don't want to buy from Amazon or whatever. Right. And so you're going to go to a local retailer or something like that. Good luck. Because the retailers are usually just getting what Samsung or the name, the company, you know, forces on them. And then gets essentially not forced on you. You don't have to buy it, but, uh, is, is a forced choice, a forced option. So I was very fortunate, um, you know, to get, to get a TV that, that met that criteria. And there really are, and I've looked into this, there really are only like three or four companies, uh, Spectre's one of the bigger ones, um, that will today sell a new television that has no smart features and is of a, you know, above 30 inches, right? Cause I mean, you can buy computer monitors that usually won't have this stuff usually. Okay. But again, if you're wanting a TV like 40 inches and up, which is fine, 
you know, you're, you're really, your, your choices are incredibly limited and Spectre is about one of the best companies out there. Or if you get some like older model, you know, Vizios or whatever, but you're also going to, ironically, you're going to pay a premium for that. Right. Because at that Best Buy trip, like, yeah, I could have, um, you know, fortunately the price was low because again, it was open box and it was, you know, a couple years old. Okay. Uh, but remember these TVs generally are subsidized like TCL TVs. They have the Roku's built into them. They're subsidized by advertisements, Roku and all kinds of other shit. Okay. So you can buy them for 150 bucks. You're going to pay the premium for not having features, which seems ridiculous, right? Well, but that's the market that we're in and people don't understand that. Like it doesn't make any sense to them because they don't understand that they are, you know, and I know there's people who complain about this statement, but it's the reality. You are actually the product. The TV is not. The TV just makes you the product. You're buying your own privilege of being Samsung's product. Now I talked about ACR, uh, it is possible to turn off ACR. Uh, if I remember, I'll link in the show notes to that, that shows like some of how that works, but again, it changes by the year just with the company. And then it even changes by company of how to turn that off. Of course, you're going to want to turn that off. I would recommend not just don't, if you can, a don't buy Samsung TVs, obviously. Okay. But I would recommend don't connect televisions to the internet, have separate devices that do that. Okay. For a multitude of reasons, whether it's Roku, um, you know, and then, I mean, you can even go so far as to get like an ultra Roku that has ethernet. Like that's awesome. You know, talk about a much better experience for viewing stuff anyway. Um, cause that's the other problem too, is that most of these TVs don't have ethernet ports. It's all Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi. you're getting, even if you really care about your content, you're getting subpar content from the data transmission speeds of the average Wi-Fi, And of course, going through your walls and all this other stuff, you know, taking the time to have an ethernet connection to your television is the best way to go, you know, for this. Um, or you could, you know, you can buy Blu-ray players that will have some of this functionality and features. Most Blu-ray players will have, uh, We'll have an ethernet connection, um, as well. Uh, we could get into a big argument or, or a big conversation around Blu-ray players and what you should get. Um, but Blu-ray players now are kind of in the same place that DVD players were in the early aughts where you want to, you want to buy the ones that essentially break all the rules, right? Like you can buy models of Sony Blu-ray players that will play any region disc. Like they're, they're all kind of. They're, they're sort of modded. They're, they're out there anyway, that that's a whole other conversation to get into. I mean, really the best thing you can do is play your shit off of your computer, right? Just run an HDMI cable from your laptop, your computer, whatever to a television. And cause with a computer, that's one of the places where we haven't lost total control, right? Where, okay. Yeah. You still can put Linux on computers, you know, and you, you still kind of can take command, even though good luck watching Blu-rays on Linux, but I mean, you can, but boy, it's a pain in the ass, but there's options there. Um, but you know, having your computer do all of that business, don't have your TV be smart, leave that to a device that should have a processor in it. That being your PC, because really, again, all the TV should do is just turn on. It should, it really should just be a dumb display, just like your monitor is right. I, I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> the argument that I got from, you know, these wonderful television manufacturers, these wonderful companies that all make life so wonderful. Oh, oh, 
Yes. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> the argument that I got from them is that, you know, why we're getting away from uh, cathode ray televisions, you know, cathode ray tube uh, uh, TVs, right? You know, glass tube televisions, why you're getting away from rear projection televisions, why you're not using a projector, even though projectors are a great option these days. So you got to be careful with those because a lot of them will have Android built into them and other shit. And that just gets into a whole other issue. Um, you know, the reason being it takes too long for those kinds of TVs to like, you have to wait for them to warm up and for the colors, for the richness to be put on display and everything. So that was the argument of why LCD TVs or even plasma televisions were so goddamn wonderful because you just turned it on, boom, and you're ready to watch the movie. You don't have to wait. Well, the hilarity, I mean, that's one of the arguments. Yeah, there's picture quality too, and blacks looking black and whatever, you know, like all, all these things. Okay. Um, but that was part of the argument. The hilarity is that today, now you have to wait, like just to get to, if I wanted to play a Nintendo Switch on like a TCL TV with Roku built in, you have to boot into the Roku uh, menu first, then you can fish around to, you know, to get to the display or to get to the channel HDMI one to be able to like play your switch. Like you're, you're, you're complicating things unnecessarily. Like you're always waiting now. Oh, you know, the TV has to boot up, you know, whatever. And that's why it has to be constantly plugged in. No, it needs to be constantly plugged in so that Samsung can keep control over it. But I digress. I just want the TV to fucking turn on and do what I tell it to do. That is all any device ever needs to do for the consumer is do what the consumer tells it to do. I am tired of the argument that the consumer just doesn't know better. The consumer is dumb. Yes, they are dumb. Okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's not untrue. But then the response to, well, the consumer isn't very educated. The response to that is not create a surveillance society. Remove control from that consumer. I'm sure some people would say, no, the real response is let Darwinism take its course. Well, <laughs> folks, I just, I, I, I just can't believe that if you ask somebody, Hey, do you want to allow XYZ company to, you know, do whatever they want with your device and potentially turn it off or turn it on remotely? And I just can't believe that, that most people would say, yeah, yeah, I want that. Really? Again, it all gets couched. All these things get couched in features and feature sets and new this and new that. And holy shit, if you have this, you'll get laid. But boy, if your TV is what ultimately lends to you getting laid, I would run away from the person that's fucking you because of how great your TV is. That's terrifying. It's like people who only sleep with others that have iPhones. If they don't, they won't even consider it. What the fuck kind of civilization do we live in? I don't get it. I don't understand, you know, who, who, who thinks that this is okay, that you see this is a completely valid trade-off. Brian, it's just TV. No, it's not. It's spying on your entire house. It's not just a TV. You don't get to say that anymore. You don't get to say that about anything. Anything internet connected and with a processor in it is not just what it is. It is also an element of the surveillance society, not just the surveillance state, the surveillance society. And that ultimately comes down to control over you as well as your own, yourself going mad, whether you realize it or not. So again, a 
put the challenge to you. If you give a shit about your human freedoms slash liberties rights, if you want to go that far, I don't, but if you want to go that far, like the right to privacy amongst other things, have you, you know, pulled out the gasoline and, you know, poured it onto your television and Samsung television, lit it on fire. Have you taken, you know, whatever large blade to it yet? Maybe. I think this is that egregious. This is that bad. Maybe you disagree. And if you do, you know what? Email me questions at sovereigntech.com. Or if you know, if you got the sack, come in the telegram group and let's have the conversation. I'm not going to be mean about it. You know, go ahead at sovereign and I'll see it, but I'll leave this episode at that plenty more sovereign tech to come and some really exciting projects finally coming to completion. I can't wait to share with you. I will see all of you woo, on the other side, hopefully the other side of this technological dystopia. Woo.